The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And what do you know? We're back with a hot stove edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo nearly two months since Game 7 of the World Series. Last time we spoke with you here on the dish on Clubhouse Conversation. We have been doing weekly chats with Royals players throughout the offseason, as we promised you. So hopefully you've been checking those out. But I'm glad you found the dish as we do this hot stove edition. And as we promised you, we'd be back when the Royals did something major this offseason a few times throughout the offseason. And finally, it happened here on December 11th, 2014. And it happened late this morning with the Royals signing Kendrys Morales. And Royals Nation kind of went into a half-and-half panic and half, well, bleh. At first, nobody really had much of a positive reaction, did they? What was your reaction when you found out the news late this morning? I guess news broke around 11.30 Central Time that the Royals had inked Kendrys Morales to a two-year $17 million contract, which gets him another possible $1.5 million in bonuses, $750 each year. The contract is backloaded a bit, which is good for the Royals. So by my estimation, we don't know exactly what the payroll is going to be uh, because this is the first year in recent memory where the Royals haven't given a ballpark amount where the payroll should be. So I'm assuming the payroll is going to be right around 105 if I was guessing. So depending on arbitration and a few other things, the Royals still probably have a good I don't know, 12, 13 million maybe to spend the rest of this offseason. So they've still, of course, got a right fielder and a starting pitcher they need to get. But let's get back to Kendrys Morales. We'll talk more about that later here in this dish. We'll talk about what we think might be next and kind of review the Hochaver and Frazier signings as well. But Kendrys Morales, what do we think about this? Like I said, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I hadn't really, I never really thought Morales was going to be the guy the Royals got, or at least this early. I, I thought, and for sure, I thought that the order that the Royals would address things is number one starting pitcher, number two right field, number three DH. I thought DH, I mean, why wouldn't you think that when you had Ned Yost in recent days, as recently as yesterday, saying, you know, we see DH as, a, as, a, as an open door between Salvi and Gordo and Infante and Kane and, you know, resting guys, Hosmer occasionally. Basically, they said they wanted DH to just be something where guys took a half day. So who would have thunk that'd be the first position the Royals would sign this offseason, especially Morales? You thought maybe he'd be one of those guys that went a bit later, because especially with a guy like Michael Morse still on the board. Michael Morse is who I wanted. I've been wanting him since the World Series ended. I thought Michael Morse should be the guy that the Royals got as a mostly DH, maybe once or twice a week out on the outfield. Didn't happen. It's not going to happen at this point, because obviously... Royals probably don't have the money, A, since they need to bring in another pitcher, and B, you can't put him in the outfield every day. So, And Morales is, at this point of his career, 95% of the time a DH. So the Michael Morse dreams I had are gone. But Morales, let's talk about him. Because at first, I'm iffy on this signing. I'll be honest. When I first heard it, I was kind of like, what? And I thought about it. I didn't have much emotion about it. I wasn't upset about it. I was just kind of confused just based on what we were told. Morales is 31 years old now. He's a switch hitter. And a very good major league bat with power until last year. And there, that's where the controversy comes in. Let's go back, though, to review. At the end of 2013, you know, he and his agent, Scott Boris, they gambled. They turned down the qualifying offer, him and Stephen Drew famously last year. And as the story goes, nobody wanted to pay him that kind of money. 
and also lose the first-round draft pick, so they both had to sit out until June 1st. In Morales' case, it was June 8th when the Twins inked him to a deal, played with the Twins last year, and then was traded over to Seattle. But the season was not good for Morales last year. I remember the Royals facing him a few different times last year, and the bat seemed slow. The power seemed like it was gone. I mean, 218, 274, and 338 were his numbers last year with eight home runs and 42 RBIs, and that's in 367 at bats. So that's half a season. Eight home runs, 274, 338 for the on base and slug. Wow, that's not good at all. At all. But he had no spring training last year, first of all. And admittedly, he was not in great shape when he reported to the Twins, which is kind of kind of inexcusable. I mean, you knew once April rolled around, you knew it was going to be June, but you knew you had to be ready June 1st to go. And you, and you show up not in shape, that's, I don't know. I don't think that'll happen this year, obviously, because he'll be in spring training for, you know, a good month and a half with the Royals. They'll get him back in decent shape, plus he's just DHing. I think he'll be fine. I think he's got a lot to prove this year. And Dayton Moore, let's give him credit. I mean, let's go back and look at his track record, bringing guys over just like Morales, motivated players who perhaps had bad years the year before. Let's go back to Irvin Santana when Dayton traded Brandon Sisk, a triple-A pitcher, the lefty over to get Santana. I love the move. People are like, oh, it's an awful move. I don't know how that could have been awful. You give him nothing. Santana, of course, you you know the rest. Turned out to be great. You know, Dayton signs Melky Cabrera, who looked like a bust at that time and turned his career around. Jeremy Guthrie for Jonathan Sanchez looked like Guthrie was almost done at the end of his career. Had really struggled and got lit up in, in Colorado. The Royals signed him, or not signed him, traded for him, turned it around. So, I mean, Dayton, that's just a few examples off the top of my head. Dayton has gone out and gotten these guys who are kind of, you know, maybe a year or two past their prime or a year or two since they've really produced. Morales definitely falls in that category. There's one of two camps on this, like we just talked about. There's the camp like the Royals who are betting on the fact that Morales was – missing a spring training, so his bat never really got going until probably mid to late July and was also a little bit out of shape. So there's that group that just thinks it was kind of a, a janky season for him, a, an abnormal season. And then, and then there's the the side who says, well, he's 31, he's on the wrong side of 30, he's a little bit pudgy, and you know his, his best days are behind him. Um, which team are you on? I'm on the side that believes he'll be more of what he was three years ago than what he was last year. I don't think we'll ever see 2009 again. And let's go over some of the stats here with, with him and talk more about him. Uh, made a couple calls from people I know in the Angels system and also somebody else very close to the situation. And, and what's told about Morales is he's a great clubhouse guy, first and foremost. Loves to talk baseball, drink beers, old school, be around the team, be in the clubhouse. Teammates like him. That's good because, as we know, a big ingredient with this Royals team in recent memory, is that the team really gets along. It's a great clubhouse atmosphere, and you can laugh at that and say it doesn't matter. A lot of people like each other, and they aren't good. I get that argument, but it's still important with this team, especially losing a guy like James Shields. The veterans you bring in need to be positive guys, I believe. Switch hitter, like we said. Now, the perplexing thing about him, besides the fact that you signed him at a kind of a weird time, I thought it'd be later for him, not to mention the fact that we talked about DH, was we thought the third most important thing on Dayton's list. Besides that, the one other thing is they want this power right-handed bat, right? So he's a switch hitter, which is fine, but he's much better from the left side than he is from the right. So once again, you say you want a right-handed power bat, but you only 
kind of got that because let's look at the splits in his career versus right-handers. Now sample size a lot different bat-wise, but let's just well, – first of all, the home runs are 87 versus righties, 23 against lefties. Now the bats, of course, are two and a half times more from the right side. But even if he has two and a half more times at bats from the right, he's got 1878 at bats as a right-handed hitter and 770 as a lefty. So that's roughly two and a half times. But two and a half times 23 should be about 60. So his power is still about 35% more from the right side home run-wise. 87 home runs as a right-hand hitter, 23 as a lefty. The splits, though, versus right-handers, he hits 276, 332, 476, 808 OPS. 808 OPS against righties, just 722 against lefties. So on base against lefties, he's 257. So 20 points lower against lefties. Sorry, that's batting average. On base, he's 332 and 305. So 27 points lower against lefties. The slug is 60 points less against lefties. And the OPS is, what, nearly 100 points. So it's clear that the split is much stronger. He's a much better left-handed hitter than he is right-handed. So that's one. I mean, it's a little. It's a. It's a small gripe. Now, we'll come back to how this doesn't really. We'll come back to how this makes total sense. It is a great move. But but let me finish off the analysis of him first. So last year was awful. 2013, a pretty good year. 277, 336, 449. Nearly 800 OPS, 23 home runs, 80 RBIs in 2013 with Seattle. It's not very long ago. You want to go back to 2009 when he was fifth in MVP voting, 34 jacks, 108 ribbies, had a 924 OPS, slugged a 569. That's 09. Then 2010, he gets off to that great start. He's hitting 290, 346, 47. In just less than 200 bats, he's already got 11 home runs. So he's pacing for a good 33, 37, 38 home runs at that point. And then has that walk-off home run and breaks his ankle celebrating at home plate. So he misses the rest of 2010 and all of 2011. So you might say, okay, he was great in 2009 and 2010. No data in 11. We'll throw out 14 as well. So, Dave, oh, tell us about 2012 and 2013, because those are kind of maybe the telltale years, the 29 and 30 years. 787, 785 OPS, respectively. 787, 785. Pretty consistent those two years. 20 home runs, 20 plus. So what do we expect from Morales? Which one are we getting? Well, of course, that's, that's anybody's guess at this point. I mean, the Royals, I trust them. I, I trust Dayton Moore. We, we went over this during the World Series about how the moves many people questioned at the time have all turned out pretty much unanimously to, to be in Dayton's favor. He's done a hell of a job. So I trust Dayton on this one. I do. I don't think this is a bad signing. And I expect him, if I'm a betting man, I'm thinking maybe he's around OPS-wise this year, well, what do we want to guess? I mean, he's been 785, 787 the last two times he was healthy. I'll guess 770, 775, go down a little bit. Instead of hitting 23, 25 home runs, maybe he hits 21 this year. But, I mean, 21 and, and 80 and 770, you take that. That's above league average at DH or roughly right at. No, it would be above, slightly above. If you get above average production out of DH and Kendrys Morales, you've won this deal. Because you're not paying him that much, and you're only committed for two years. $17 million over two years is really not much with the market the way it is, which I'm assuming is why Dayton had to go for him. And Dayton saw, you know, was hoping for Melky, I'm sure, and maybe maybe thought he could trade for Cespedes. I doubt it, but possibly. Although I did honestly think a few weeks ago they were going to get Cespedes. I guess that didn't happen. But 
So why do I say this depends? I mean, because it depends what they get in right field. You, you, they do need a good right-handed bat. They really do. Because, I mean, in your, look, look in your division, you've got Chris Sale. You've got David Price. Yeah, I mean, look at the World Series. You had Madison Bumgarner. I mean, the Royals, yeah, they did hit John Lester pretty good in the, in the playoff game or the wild card game, but normally they don't hit him. Normally they they were better last year against lefties. That's true, but they, they do need a power right hand at bat. So who's out there? I think they need one in right field. You cannot open the season with Carlos Peguero and Paulo Orlando. Love them both to death. One or both are, are even fine on the bench. I think Paulo's got a much better chance of making the bench because of his speed and athleticism and defense. I think Paulo will be on this team opening day. Don't know that Pagero will, but either way, fine. Those guys are bench guys. You could a World Series team cannot go into the next season with Pagero and Orlando splitting. Pagero, who strikes out roughly thirty percent of his minor league at bats, that is not going to go over well in the major leagues. Bat is slow, even against a fastball and can't hit the curveball. He's kind of like Serrano in major league, except left-handed and strikes out maybe a little bit more even on the fastball, at least, at least from what I saw. I've seen maybe 15 at-bats of him in the major league, so I probably shouldn't talk too much about that. But Anyway, so they, they need to make a move. I think a trade's coming for the Royals. I really do. I don't know if the trade's coming for the starting pitcher or for the outfielder. Possibly both. Possibly you see a blockbuster. I do think there's a 50-50 chance Greg Holland is gone. I think Wade Davis and Herrera are safe. Davis is cheaper and more controllable. Holland's never going to be higher as far as what you can sell him for. And trust me, I understand. A lot of people out there are saying, "Quit, you know, get out of this of trading our good guys. They're good. We just made the World Series. Why would we break this team up?" I get it. You don't want to trade your good players. I totally get it. But if as long as you're in this current marketplace, the way Major League Baseball is, KC is the second smallest market next to Milwaukee. Horrible TV contract. At the end of the day, yes, we're making a lot more money. But if Mr. Glass has a payroll north of 100 million, you cannot argue with him about that. A payroll north of 100 million is fine for the Royals, and I'm pretty damn sure it'll be north of 100 million. And even with that, they probably still can't afford a good right fielder and starting pitcher, as far as established, as far as guys post arbitration or at arbitration, second year or so. So to do to get these kind of guys, you're going to have to move some salary. And Greg Holland is is the, the one that makes the most sense because your asset, your strength is your bullpen. So you package Greg Holland. I mean, but before I was possibly hearing rumors that it could be Gaddis and Upton coming. I'm sure you heard the same thing. For somebody like Holland and Zimmer and maybe a Bonifacio or maybe lower, maybe a lottery ticket, somebody in the lower minors. We heard that before. Of course, that's not going to happen now. They ain't getting Gaddis now, and I have a hard time believing you. I don't think you give up Holland for, no, not for one year of Upton. I don't, I don't believe you do that. The Braves want more than that anyways. You know, they're going to say, well, Upton's every day. We want Holland plus Bonifacio. I don't think you'd do that if you're the Royals. I, I don't. I I don't know who they're going to get, guys. I don't. Because for a while you heard Ian Kennedy was on the market. Then now he's kind of off. Now that they're going for it more in San Diego. I think Dylan G is a possibility. You keep hearing about Nice, maybe some of those guys from the Mets. There's a guy like Brett Anderson out there you could sign. But, gosh, I mean, the guy may make three starts and stub his toe walking into Walmart. So I don't know that you want Brett Anderson as your answer. Maybe he's your long reliever, but not as your answer. Is your not not to pick up the Royals need somebody that's going to throw 160 plus innings out of their rotation for sure, and you cannot count on him. I mean, there's only I mean you you lost Brandon McCarthy's off the market now. Santana's off the market. The next move is coming through a trade. The big move is coming through a trade. It just it just depends what the Royals how much flexibility they have with their payroll a which we don't know. 
maybe Glass is going to give him 110, 115. You never know. I doubt it. I highly doubt it, but it's possible. If that's the case, they could go out and still add a big player or two at both positions. If not, you're going to have to move some salary to get both things addressed. And I have a hard time believing they're seriously going to go into the season with Piguero and Orlando and Wright. So somebody's coming in right field. Someone's coming in the rotation. Your guess is as good as mine. I'm just telling you what I think. Now, as far as the bullpen goes, the other minor moves we've had, I mean, they're pretty – I shouldn't say they're minor. Bringing back Jason Frazier for 1.7, steal. Great move. Didn't have him all year. I, I still don't like giving up Spencer Patton for him, but whatever. We ended up re-signing him. Okay, it's worth it now. It's fine. Jason Frazier was very good last year for the Royals. I mean, it, at, at the moment, you know, him and Hoach, I mean, I, I've heard rumors, not rumors, I've heard Dayton Moore and Ned Yost themselves say that Hoach could even possibly, you know, be in the rotation again, have another chance in the rotation. Or, you know, perhaps he even recovers better throwing once every five days from Tommy John versus pitching every other day or every day. I have a hard time believing you would throw Hoche for back in the rotation. That's not why you signed him. I, at least I hope not. We've been down that you know, street many times. So I don't think that's going to happen. I, some of the stuff's posturing. You know, the Royals want to make it look like they're not desperate for a right fielder. They'll just go, they're happy to go in Piguero and Orlando. They want teams to call their bluff or not call their bluff. And then the same thing with Hochever and same thing with free agents and, and guys thinking the Royals aren't desperate. I, I don't honestly believe they're going to do either thing. I don't see a platoon and right. I don't see Hoach in the rotation. But I mean, as it is now, Frazier, Hoach, Herrera, Davis, Holland, that's like the that's like fifth, six, seven, eight, nine in, in the playoffs. Now, during the season, one or two of those guys are probably unavailable every night. But still, you're covered seven, eight, nine, no matter what, every night. You keep all five of those guys and they're healthy. I mean, they're, they're all available. Three of the five of them are available every single night of the season. You're covered seven, eight, nine every night with those five. How amazing is that to think about? Even if you trade one, which I think they will, I think they need to probably to address other areas. And I mean, you go through and and look, you know, and even if they do trade them, I'm saying they're still covered those three innings as well. There, there's plenty of depth out there. But I mean, you go through and look at what Billy Bean did when he was with Oakland. I mean, he would basically trade one big piece per off season there for a while, and that's how the A stayed relevant. You know, Zito and Hudson and Mulder and Harden and on and on and on, Tejada, on and on and on and on and on. That's kind of what the Royals have to do at this point. If they want to keep the majority of this nucleus together, maybe you lose one guy every year or two that's a big guy. But as long as you keep the, the nucleus together and just keep getting back, you know, productive players, look what we got for Grinky, Kane and Escobar. You know? So, I mean, you just keep going and, and doing these kind of things. And, you know, Davis and Shields for Myers. I mean, you just got to make some moves from time to time. So we'll see what happens. I'm kind of talking in circles now. But that's kind of where my thoughts are on the whole Morales thing. My final thoughts here in summary, Kentridge Morales, nice signing. Great signing as long as you're also getting a legitimate right fielder. If you've got a legit right fielder, and I'm talking somebody maybe not quite as good as Upton, obviously, but someone like a Marlon Bird type guy, someone in, you know, in that area, Bird area, somebody similar to that. You get somebody like that and a decent guy to give you 170 innings, maybe Dylan G, that's a successful offseason. If you just have Morales and Dylan G – that's very mediocre. So we'll see what's next. I think I think a trade's coming soon. I think I'll be back with you on Clubhouse conversation again very soon. But thanks for tuning in to this hot stove edition where, you know, gosh, we're not that far from spring training now, guys. Two months. 
It's not far at all. So hang in there. Let's get through this offseason together and keep listening here on Clubhouse Conversation as we do bring you as well. Uh, interviews, like I said, got some really good ones coming up. Just published Jim Fry. Hope you're able to listen to that one. We got to the Royals was for their first World Series in 1980. Jim Fry's on the site right now. And coming soon, Craig Paquette. We'll catch up with him. Tom Murphy, who pitched back in the 70s. Joe Keough, who got the first game-winning hit in Royals history in Game 1 back in 69. He comes on. Um, plenty more guys coming up here on Clubhouse Conversation. Terry Leach, who pitched back in 89 for the Royals, will join us. And as we get back towards spring training in the season, we will resume current Royals weekly as well. So tell a friend, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully real soon, as the Royals make more moves here on this hot stove season. It's Clubhouse Conversation.